Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. It's out of Romans 8. If y'all want to flip there. Starting in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set, to you, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is holistic to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Again, happy Mother's Day. Thanks, Brent, for sharing, uh, sharing those. I did hear William giggle back there. You know, he's like, well, you know, since I'm not the Messiah, my parents just like mailing it in, you know. <laughs> so it's all right, man. It's okay. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit of a quick story about three weeks ago. Um, so after service, um, Lyra came up to me and she, she handed me this note card and she said, here, preach this. 
Okay, and I'm like, well, this is an interesting idea here. People could just come up and give me note cards with already prepared notes and then to go ahead and preach that. But I told her that, you know, I probably wasn't going to preach this, but I did want to share this. This is something that Lyra had been um, taking notes during church. Okay, and this is uh, what she wrote. Uh, this was back on April 24th, says right here on the card. She says, she wrote down, we are the stars that twinkle in the night. God is the moon that brightens up the night. And he is the one who looks after us. He loves us every day and night and he forgives us our sins. He's always with us to take care of us anytime from Lyra. So first of all, Lyra, thank you. Second of all, I mean, there's three things here, right? Is... Um, uh, it's just great to take notes during service, okay? I mean, can, can I, like, is that exegetical, or can I just read something into that? <laughs> then maybe we should just all be doing that. Um, but, Lyra, I do appreciate you sharing this with me, and I know you wanted this back, so I'm going to give this back to you afterwards. Oh, I can keep it? Oh, okay. All righty. <laughs> All right, Lara, thank you, though, for uh, for sharing that with me and with us. And and uh, it, this is all cool stuff here. Um, so uh, we are, uh, you know, right in the midst. Um, man, the year is absolutely flying by. Um, we're in May. It's just moving along. Um, we're about to have kids starting to just be born like crazy. Right, Sarah? Like you've got a whole bunch of people uh, about to all over. I, I think pretty much. By the end of this year, we'll be almost everybody in the Galbraith family will have given birth <laughs> at this point. It's quite a year. Um, but, uh, but we are, you know, moving into um, this almost second half of the year, okay? The campus has finished their finals, which is exciting. Everybody kind of takes a deep breath. Adam graduated officially yesterday, so congratulations for that. That's awesome. Um, he's officially a Gamecock now, right? Is that what it's all about? No? Okay. Just throwing Jody a bone over there, right? <laughs> uh, but again, each week, hopefully, um, the, our, our default is to go back and pay attention to this idea of this journey that we're on. And whether we had this as a topic or a, a series or whatever, that wouldn't change the fact that we truly are on a journey. And this journey's going by minute by minute. And it goes by circumstance by circumstance, and it goes by season by season. And there is this journey, and our journey is full of decisions that we make. Uh, it's full of circumstances that happen in terms of sometimes, you know, we mess up and life goes bad. And sometimes other people mess up, and that affects our lives, right? There's a lot of different things that go into this. What I love about um, digging into um, this, this section that we've been looking at in the Holy Spirit is that every single one of us right now when we open the Bible, when you heard the text read, when, whenever we like enter into the Word of God, we're coming all from very unique and different places depending on how to go today. How, how was your week and month? What's happened? Like, like your entire life story, um, but also even just different things. I mean, Mother's Day can evoke a lot of sense of like maybe happiness and, and, and sentimentality and these things, but it may bring a lot of pain. Maybe mom's not with us anymore. You know, there's a lot of different things that come with that. And so the lesson as we're reading this 
this. Um, what I love about this is God knew that millions and millions of people would be into his word and every single person for the most part is entering into it in a different place. Some happy, some sad, some hurt, some struggling, you know, and all these things. And the word is still absolutely perfect. The word still speaks to that, to every single situation. And what's miraculous about that is, is that the meaning of the Bible isn't changing, but God knew that the, the, the word is living and active, that it can come and be a part of our life right here and right now. And I love that. Um, I love that we, uh, we can do that. I left my clicker. Can you toss me that clicker? Was that on film right there? Oh, no. <laughs> Boy, right. Listen. All right, just so everyone feels good about themselves now, okay? I dropped it. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. It, it was good, right? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, here we go. First slide. Frustration, right? <laughs> hey, right? Okay, I hear you. Uh, but really, truly, this was an actual kind of thought process I wanted us to begin with. Um, as we've, over the last couple of weeks, Ben started preaching in Galatians 5 of walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit. Um, we, you know, we got into last week about not stifling, quenching, or putting out the Spirit's fire. And so the question that I would love for you to consider in your life is, are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling frustrated from the standpoint of, man, this is so difficult and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here and I don't get this like following the spirit and I don't understand all that? Or are you having a sense of freedom like the pressure's off? Okay, Th those are two very different things, okay? And here's what I will say is, is, is one isn't completely horrible. I think when we're frustrated, hopefully it drives us back into the Word of God, back into prayer, back into our community to go, hold on a minute, I don't think the Spirit is supposed to just be frustrating me if I'm walking with Him, if I'm walking together, if I'm following the Spirit. Why is this frustrating? And maybe I need to bring some people along with me. Um, or, again, this is the, really the great place is the Spirit. Spirit brings freedom. And, and, and that's something, you know, we've talked about slowing down and really ingesting the Word of God and really thinking through what does that mean? That's not just a neat thing to say, it's a state of being. And so that's one of the questions to consider Am I living a life of freedom? All right, if we were to, to put ourselves in a position to where we were incarcerated, we were in jail for an unknown amount of time, and then we were to have our sentence like commuted or pardoned or something like that, and the doors go open, how different, how absolutely different life is behind bars versus when you're walking out of the prison. Right? Can you imagine? It's surreal. It's got to be surreal. It's got to be absolutely like, wow, this is so absolutely different. And so I think the call for us as disciples, if we have the spirit living inside of us, then the way we live should be different like that. Like we should, people who are living, who aren't living in the spirit, it should be that different for us, where it's kind of like the difference between living in a jail cell and living outside of the prison in complete freedom. I mean, there's just this weight that's come off. Okay. Okay. 
and, and maybe there's been some confusion. Maybe you're like on your journey and you're like, this is becoming more clear. I'm seeing how the dots are being connected in all of these different things. Um, Francis Chan, he quoted, he, this is one of his quotes, if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get his followers to ignore the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, we've talked about, this is what's so unique about God. He's saying that I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in my people. Right? And, and here's what's kind of tough about that. Is I think that we, uh, again, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the more I'm studying this, the more I'm seeing that it's been so easy for us to see the end goal as the forgiveness of sins. Like, hey, let's be baptized and have our sins washed away. And that's great. That's incredible. Except it's really fascinating because I feel like the trajectory oftentimes of my own line of thinking is we want to be forgiven for our sins. And then and then throughout our journey, it's kind of like this like weird relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like, who is it and how does this work? And and kind of like this, the Holy Spirit is this you know, over here, but as long as we were forgiven for our sins, that's what we cling on to, right? Except let me like tweak it just a little bit. There was a very specific purpose that God washed our sins away. There was a very specific purpose because his Holy Spirit cannot live in something not holy. All right. See, the most important part wasn't the forgiveness of sin. It was the Holy Spirit able to reside inside of us. Right. The, the goal isn't let me be forgiven for my sin and then try really hard to be good. All right. It's this idea of God going, no, if my spirit's going to live in my people and they're going to repent and be baptized and their sins are going to be washed away for one incredible purpose. So I can put my Holy Spirit inside of them who is so powerful. Except I think. If we consider the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit may be a stranger to us. The Holy Spirit may be a stranger. Like we may not be aware of what is this, who is this Holy Spirit and what's he supposed to be doing? We looked at these things just last week, just quickly. But it's very hard to live in step with the Holy Spirit if we don't know who he is. It's very difficult because then it just becomes our own, uh, you know, what we think is the right thing. But, but the more we understand and we know who is the Holy Spirit who comes inside of us, who's living inside of us, who's powerful and loving and disciplined, and he's the transformer. He's changing us. And at the same time, he's interceding with the Father through our prayer life. And there's just this, these amazing qualities and I think very much so that knowing who the Spirit is, just like knowing who Jesus is, if we're being transformed into his likeness, it's very important we know who are we talking about here. And I wonder how much we live in this area where we understand who is this Holy Spirit. It's really easy to talk about the forgiveness of sins. But there's something else about being led by the Holy Spirit as Ben preached about walking in the Spirit, engaging in this battle between the flesh and the Spirit. There's a lot of these things. Maybe you've even kind of felt an assault. I, I hope you have. I hope we all have. I certainly have an assault on our stubbornness. 
It's interesting in Hosea chapter 4, this is what God sends down to his prophet Hosea. He says the Israelites are stubborn. They're like a stubborn heifer. How can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? He said, my people are like a stubborn heifer. How can I possibly pasture them like lambs? How can I help them out when they're that way? And sometimes that's the reality we can live in, is the stubbornness of, of okay, I'm, I want to walk in the Spirit as long as we kind of have the control over that. And that's the tough part. We're continually being asked to, hey, let's give up control here. Romans 8, let's just go back and start this out because Romans 8 verse 1 is sometimes our favorite passage in the whole Bible. It's so great because just the verse itself is just this really amazing um, verse because it comes after chapter 7. And we're not going to go into that, but chapter 7 describes this reality of like when I try to do good, I don't do good. And when I want to do good, I feel like I'm doing other things. And we can feel that battle back and forth. All right. But let me just share something with you. As great as verse as chapter eight, verse one is, it's simply an informative fact. It's just a truth. All right. It won't necessarily change anything about us. But if we just read it alone, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So if we're reading this, we have to read with ears to hear this and going, OK, automatically when we're talking about this is we've been set free from something. OK, he said he set us free from the law of sin and death. OK. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. And so essentially just in that paragraph right there, he's saying, here's the deal. The law and, and under understand something the law isn't bad in fact Paul praises the goodness of the law the law is good the law was a teacher the law was holy the law was all of these things except the law required perfection to fulfill it. it required that okay and so as hard as you could try you always fell short because there was a sacrifice that was required so you could try as hard as you want and you could have the best heart in the world, but you would still fall short and you would have to have somebody kind of intercede. You would have to have the blood, uh, blood like a blood sacrifice cover us. Right. And that's just a very kind of this frustrating thing. So he's saying that, listen, the law was weakened by the sinful nature, meaning like we, we weren't going to attain that thing. And he said, but Jesus came and fulfilled that requirement. So he's just like, hey, that requirement is fulfilled. OK. And then he says in verse five, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Okay, so that's pretty 
pretty intense right there, okay? But let's, let's take a second to dig into this a little bit because there's a lot of really, um, I think, pretty important principles of living by the Spirit, of us surrendering our will to God um, in order to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So the first thing to keep in mind as we're reading this is there's something that's going on and it, uh, it's, it's found in so many um, like sections of, uh, of writings about the Holy Spirit is this battle between the Spirit and the sinful nature. All right. that, that's one of those things where you may go, yeah, Keith, I know that. OK, but there's a difference between between knowing that. OK, and we're living in that reality. All right. If you're living somewhere where you, you can be living in the Ukraine and knowing that, yes, I know there's a war. I know there's conflict going on around me. I get that. And so it would be crazy, though. It would be so strange for you to continue to live the life you've always lived. Oh, I'm going to walk down to the school this week. Oh, hey, I'm going to go to the mall this week. Well, hold on a minute. There's a war going on. It governs our decisions at that point. Okay, so again, these aren't just like little pieces of information. It's this idea of going, oh, there's a battle going on. And without understanding that, then my decisions won't be governed correctly. There absolutely is this kind of conflict going on between the spirit and the sinful nature. Um, I like this. There's just remembering there's some key words here. Freedom, life, peace. Okay. You take a deep breath and you go, these are the things that I want. This is absolutely. This is absolutely how I, I want life here to be. It's a life filled with freedom. A life that's truly life. Right. Peace that just transcends all understanding. Right? These are the things that the world all around us, and us included, tend to be going after. All right? Whatever we think is going to free us, maybe it's money, maybe it's accomplishments, maybe it's whatever. We tend to pursue these things, and these words are all kind of compacted into these 11 verses. So here's the deal. We, as we read down here in verse 5, he says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Okay. So let's take a second here. When you, when you read that and you read about the mind set on the sinful nature, oftentimes the first place, in fact, I'll just tell you for me, maybe this isn't you. I, sometimes I just project my own junk onto you guys. But here's the deal, is the first thing I think of, oh man, the sinful nature, the, the sinful nature, and I can go all the way back to like Ben talked about Galatians 5, and you're like, well, man, the, the, all of these things are obvious, and immorality and all of these different things. And we're going, yeah, absolutely true. But there's one thing that governs, governs everything about our sinful nature, and it's a desire uh, that our sinful nature, des nature desires me to be in charge. Above everything else, the, the sinful nature desires for me to be in charge of everything. My pleasure, my peace, my ambition, my direction in life, the things that I think are going to make me happy. That's exactly what the nature that's inside of me wants more than anything is to say, don't let anyone be in charge of you. So when we're reading this in its simplest terms, and he says those who live according to this nature have their minds set on that. 
And again, there's that ask, there's, there's right there stopping and going, hold on a minute. How would I know, or maybe you do know, that your mind is just set on what you want in life? You have what you want. You're going after what you think is going to make you happy, right? And he's saying, here's the thing this leads to is death. In fact, this, when you read down a few verses, this idea right here can't, is, is absolutely hostile to God. All right? Could you ever imagine that? God going, why are you being hostile to me? Why are you fighting against me? Why don't you, like, why are you trying to be in charge of things? And you being like the final decision maker. This is what the sinful nature desires. The spirit desires Jesus to be king. Of everything. Absolutely everything. So as we're kind of like moving forward into this, we start going, okay, if my mindset is on Jesus being king, now all of a sudden as we break our days into like different things that happen and we, we're going to work and we're in our families and all these things. If Jesus is king, therefore, what would he want from us? Do you think if Jesus was our king as his apprentice, as we're following him, okay, and we enter into our family, all right, can you think of, of places and teachings that Jesus would go, hey, here's where I want to train you in your family, I want to train you how to love. I want to train you how to speak truth. I want to train you how to be graceful. I want to train you how to love well. I want to train you to, to do these things. All right. This is what the spirit is desiring is Jesus. When you go to work, let me train you in righteousness. All right. That's what the spirit loves. The spirit and Jesus love the same thing. Righteousness, forgiveness, grace, mercy, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to me because um, here, let, let's just kind of bring this back a little bit because this has been coming up a, a fair amount, I feel like, over the past couple of months is it's very easy, I think, to um, desire God being graceful and patient and merciful with us. And, and that's a vital part of our journey with him. Don't let there be a blockade, though, of going, okay, I want that. I'm glad as an apprentice that my king is graceful and merciful and patient. But don't mistake the fact that his grace and love and mercy and patience is meant for us to transfer over to other people. To love people that way, all right? It's, it's too easy to go, okay, I'm in it for me, but then once I'm hurt, once somebody says something I don't like, once somebody gets on my bad side, I'm not like passing over any grace or mercy or patience. And, and all that means is I'm not being trained by Jesus. I'm not his disciple when that happens. I've decided I'm doing it my own way. Like Jesus, okay, I want you to be a certain way to me, who I, and I will not be this way to anyone else, Okay. Like, we have to be very clear, that is not an apprentice of Jesus, okay? That's us making up our own thing. The Spirit desires Jesus to be king. So here's the interesting thing, is, is we got to kind of figure out, well, which one am I feeding here? The sinful nature uh, feeds off of a few things, and, and, and maybe these kind of ring in your own ears. The sinful nature feeds off of impulsiveness and fear. 
and the urge to control outcomes. Right? When everything's going fast and life is going crazy and things are happening that I don't like and things are going on that I don't want to think about and everything, it, here's the deal is, is me as king wants to make really quick decisions. Right off, like, let me just make those decisions to make everything better. Let me try to control this outcome. And, and that may be one of, the, one of the things that we get locked up with most is our thinking that we can control an outcome of something. And then we live according to that, okay? In 1 Samuel 13, in verse 11, um, let me just go back and read this for us. This is when Saul was king. He was a young king. 1 Samuel 13, um, verse 11, he is, um, he's told, listen, you're going to go to battle, but you need to wait. You need to wait. Uh, Saul was told by Samuel, you need to wait until I come there. And, and I'm going to offer a sacrifice, but you don't start anything until I'm there. All right, this is what he's telling the king. Only Saul said, nope, he's not coming. He's not coming fast enough. Things are getting crazy. Okay, and in verse 11 um, of 1 Samuel 13, uh, this is what Samuel said to Saul. You acted foolishly. You haven't kept the command the Lord God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. And that's a great paragraph, but I want to 11. Okay, that was 13, so forgive me. Uh, Samuel says, what have you done? Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And then Samuel said, you acted foolishly. All right, do you see what's going on here? It's this idea of this impulsiveness of, hey, I just need to do this right now. Like everything's going crazy. The Philistines are coming down. They're going to kill us. Like, don't you understand? And you're late. You're not right. You're not quite on time. Okay. So like things are speeding up. I'm scared. I need to win this battle. People are going to die. So let me go and do this thing. And it was a religious thing. It was a, it was a, it was, it wasn't something horrible, but he said, you've acted foolishly. And in fact, you're going to have the kingdom ripped out of your hands now. I mean, there was a pretty significant, um, you know, uh, consequence for this. We can plug our own life into things like this. Hey, all of these things are happening so quickly. Okay. And then we end up kind of like feeding our sinful nature of just speeding everything up. Here's the, uh, the ugliest part of our, of our sinful nature is that it will convince us that we are following Jesus while we set the course, control outcomes, and determine right and wrong on our own terms. Okay. That, that's the ugliest part of our sinful nature is every ounce of that sinful nature inside of us that's in conflict with the Spirit is going to say, no, here's the deal. You can follow Jesus, and you can, but you get to set the course and decide what's right and wrong, and you get to control all the outcomes. And then we get in this cycle where we keep going back to God and going, God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And I wonder how many times God is going, listen, man, you're doing this. This, this is me and you making our own choices. And then we go back to God. How come he's not like 
you know, paying attention to me? How come he's silent? How come he's all of these things, right? And, and there's a part of an apprenticeship where when we're stubborn enough of God going, okay, listen, if guys, if we're going to be that stubborn, then okay, keep going. Go ahead. And I think as Christians, we accept that lifestyle. Like we accept a lifestyle that's joyless, that's, that's we're captive, we're not, we're not happy, we're not loving, we're not like freed up, we're not any of those things, and we accept that and go, well, we're just a work in progress. Well, perhaps we're not. Perhaps we're just hostile to God. And our sinful nature is telling us, no, go to church, and hopefully maybe one day it'll all be better. And maybe you'll hear like the perfect thing. And maybe some miracle will happen over you. Except we have to understand something. We have to call hostility what it is. And if we're being hostile to God, then that's exactly the fruit that's going to come. So that's the thing. If you're living a life of desperate frustration, the first thing I would do is, is, listen, I can't answer the question why, but I hope you have a number of people around you that are helping you walk through that. Of going, why do I keep doing things and they keep falling flat? Why does this happen? Why are these things going on? And I'll bet you there's little aspects of things where we are living and we're saying, I'm an apprentice of Jesus as long as I get the final say on everything. Okay. And here's the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit feeds off of listening to and conforming to God's word while being present. So, so here's the interesting thing about fear and anxiety and all of that. Fear and anxiety live, really, depression, fear, and anxiety, they live in the future and in the past. Two places we cannot change. And that's almost where the entirety of these things live. I'm either projecting so far out front, and it's making me anxious and nervous and scared. Or I'm looking back and going, oh my goodness, this is so horrible and things are never going to go right. And it's going to be just rotten for me forever. Except here's what we've been learning about the Holy Spirit is he feeds off of listening to and conforming ourselves to God's word while being present. So I want you to consider up until this point, where have you been? Like just in the last hour. Where have you been? Have you been like at 7.30? Have you been at, hey, I can, you know, at 8 o'clock, I can kind of relax a little bit? Where have you been? Have you been back in yesterday or last week or a month or 10 years and all of these things? And that's where everything has been. All right. It's going to be very difficult to live by the Spirit. It's going to be really difficult if we can't learn to be present like right here and right now. And you know what comes with that is understanding like, okay, what's going on in my brain? You know, one of the worst for, for us, I would say as people, probably the worst position we ever want to be in in the present tense is bored. So go on back to the 80s, right? Go on back to the 70s and the 60s and even the 90s and all those things. And you went with your parents. Do you remember going with your parents places? Maybe you went to the doctor's office. Maybe you went to the hardware store. Maybe you're going somewhere and said, this is boring. 
Like there's nothing good to read. There's no good magazines in this office. There's a, and, and you want to know what we had to learn? How to be bored. And go, you want to know what? This is just how it is right now. And now every aspect of our life is trying to avoid any form of boredom. To our children, here, here's a device. Here, take this. And we start raising our children to learn, don't ever become bored. And here's, what we, here's the underlying message that happens over time. Boredom is practically sinful. Like you being in the present tense is the worst you can possibly be. And would you teach that lesson to your children if you knew you were keeping them from hearing the Holy Spirit? Right? Sometimes our, our, our kids parent us as they get older. And, and, and what they end up doing is, is like when I'm bored, I throw a temper tantrum. Okay? And, and, and here's the thing. This is what I'm just going to share, okay? Is, and this is, now this isn't just a lesson for parents with kids, okay? This is as we get older, there's, there's practical application to this. All right? Is as we pitch a fit, there's only one solution to that. That's not acceptable. All right? That's it. There's no debate. There's no back and forth. There's no like, oh, but if they're bored, that will be horrible. No, 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 no. No, that's awesome. Like, how will you learn self-control? Is you sit there and you put your hands on your lap. I've shared this. I come from a tradition of church where there was no, like, kids' classes at all. And you brought your kids, and there would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in church. And you want to know what? How many kids do you think you heard? Zero. All right. And it wasn't. Listen, I'm going to tell you, my parents weren't like getting on me about like, you better be quiet. You, better. you just knew mom and dad's ex expectation was you will be in so much. You will reap the whirlwind of, of, of my anger if you don't get some self-control. Now, I'm not saying like that's the greatest parenting technique. OK, I'm not I'm not saying that. But, but what I am saying is, is oftentimes when we look at how we live our life, is that the things we're maybe passing on to our kids, and even the way we live, is this level of constant stimulation in order to never feel bored. And what that overflows to is, I'm never present. I'm never present. Like, I always have to have some kind of stimulation or something to look forward to or something to make me feel better about, you know, whatever that is. Instead of just slowing down. And what's interesting is, is the entirety of, uh, it seems like the history of people following God is the opposite of that. Is, is the opposite is, you've heard me say this before, the mundane. There isn't anything super exciting. L listen, Disney World and meditation on God's word do not compete with one another. One is phenomenal. Whoa, it's great. You wake up in the morning, you're dead asleep at night after you've been through all the parks. Meditation is just this mundane decision that I am going to listen to the Spirit of God to be conformed to Him. Psalm 1, uh, it's, it's fantastic, but Psalm 1 verse 2, I meditate on your word every day and night. 
okay, of hearing the Spirit. This is one of the things that would probably be great for us to be having more discussions with our children, okay? I know there's a lot of kids that they're considering like, hey, do I want to become a disciple one day? Do I want to follow Jesus? Do I want to do those things? And what ends up happening sometimes is what they learn is, first of all, don't be bored, but second of all, the, the prize is just get your sins forgiven, <laughs> Instead of maybe training them to go, no, 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 here's the, here's the prize right here, is the Holy Spirit living inside of you who can lead you just like he leads mom and dad. Or, or maybe he doesn't lead mom and dad. <laughs> we have to go, well, this is what mom and dad need to learn and to grow in, okay? Is this leading of, let me take you by the hand and walk with you this way, okay? It's not a performance. It's not, hey, let me just try to be really, really good. But how much greater is that to know, no, listen, we're talking about our children making decisions to become disciples so they're set free to follow the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, verse 133. If you've never read Psalm 119 before, that's a stunning verse right there. For, for when you see 133 verses, you're like, what on earth? Psalm 119, verse 133. There's so many you could choose here. I like 133. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. You know, there's this level of humility. Okay, again, it's a quietness. Okay, it's being present. It's thinking about, you want to know what can, like where we are is where we are right now. I don't know what's going on at home afterwards. I don't know what work's going to be like tomorrow. I don't know what are the decisions that are going to have to be made, but we've got to learn like right here and right now what we can do and what we can focus on, right? Matthew 6, 34, he says, listen, don't worry about stuff. I mean, in fact, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own thing. Like be right here. This is so valuable that we begin with our minds being transformed to that. So what's my mind set on? How do I know? Well, what are some areas of my life that are off limits? You know, you sit down and go, Keith, what are some areas of your life that are off limits? Off limits to people, off limits to God, just off limits. You got it, man. Which one? What are they? Is it finances? Like, man, nobody's going to get in there. Mm-mm. No, I mean, the worst thing that could happen is to have some kind of spiritual guidance in my finances, right? No, man. I mean, if, if I truly, if Jesus is my king, then he's my king of my money. He's the king of how I use my money. He's the king of all those things. And is that open? Do I open it up for people of my time or my leisure, my relationships, dating relationships, marriage relationships, parenting relationships? What's off limits? I don't know what yours would be. But what are the things? But I can, I can assure you that every single one of these things in, at different times have been off limits in my life. At different times, they have been. Some, some peak up at different times and all these things. But the question is, is why is it off limits? Why is this off limits? Are my politics off limits? Are my opinions off limits? Like, I don't want to hear it, okay? Well, how do I know? Because I think most of us would go, would go you want to know what? I, no, everything's, I, I'm good for, with everything. But let's kind of take a look at this here, okay? Well, um, when it comes to Finances and time and leisure, relationships, as we said, marriage, dating, all kinds, ambitions, parenting, politics, and opinions. 
how many of them have been examined in the light of Scripture? Like God's Word has something to say. He has something to say about us just making good decisions. But he has some these things to say. It's, do I invite anyone else in? And, and I put in uh, parentheses, local. Because, okay, here's my scheme, okay? It's really easy to pull somebody in who doesn't see me and isn't around me regularly. And go, man, you know, one of my best friends, his brother that lives in Montana. Man, I'll tell you what, I talk to him all the time and he tells me I'm good. Well, because he doesn't know your junk all the time, like your day-to-day stuff oftentimes. Do I invite people in? Am I defensive if these things are mentioned? Do I deflect conversation? That's something, listen, we all major in that as Christians. You deflect conversation. Hey, why don't you tell me, how's your marriage going on? Well, man, you know what? I was studying something in the Bible the other day, man. I was just studying about how great it was that Jesus, like when he said, like, come to me, all you are weary and burdened. I've been feeling a little burdened. Hold on a minute. What was the question? Hey, how's your dating life? Hey, how's your relationship with your boss? Hey, how's all of these things? How's, how, how's your relationship on the internet? Or maybe I should say with the internet, okay? Like you probably shouldn't have one on the internet, I don't think. That's probably, I could be wrong with that, but you get me. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, if I'm being defensive, I deflect the conversation or I find people to justify myself. Man, did you hear about that crazy preacher? He says you get the Holy Spirit when you're baptized, and then I get all ten of my friends around me who are all going to tell me that that's not true, and we're okay, and all those things, and we think like that's a godly thing. Like there's something to be said about having a friend in your life that isn't just filling you with stuff you want to hear. Right? And that person is probably going to bring some conflict. That person may be your spouse, okay? That's a good thing. Right? This says, listen, I'm not going to just tell you what you want to hear. And you may get upset by that. But that's this point about following the Spirit. Okay? So there's, there's two things we want to go into right here. Is this idea of, um, am I in the process of radically eliminating noise from my life? Is TV bad? No. Is music bad? Sometimes, I guess, both of them can be to a certain degree. But just in general, these things are neutral. Entertainment can be neutral. Internet can be neutral. All these things are kind of neutral things. Okay? But just we have to understand something. We're adding noise to our life with every website we look at, every podcast we listen to, every music we listen to. Maybe entertaining, but we're adding noise. And so am I radically eliminating that? Can I go somewhere? Okay. Here's the deal. Can I go somewhere and not watch something on my phone? Can I drive without not watching something on my phone? Isn't that, that's sad right there. Like if it's like I'm so off, like I'm just so off with stimulation that I have to be watching my phone while I drive. All right, or am I, we, we need to, we've got to radically eliminate noise. And that may, that may, when I say radically, it may be like getting rid of lots of things that are creating noise. And, and here's the deal is, is the breakup isn't going to be easy though. It, it's not, it's not, it's not, listen, social media and all these, it's a, it's a tough one. Okay. And starting each day, and here's what may be one of the most important things, starting each day with humble intention. Okay. What do I mean, what do I mean by that? Is starting, the, this idea of Jesus teaching us how to pray, 
Okay, when he says, here's how you should pray, when he talks about what we call the Lord's Prayer, is, is starting out with humble intention. I'm not the king, you are. It's not my will. No, 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 whatever, God, what, I, I need you to know this this morning. Whatever my will is, no, 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 I want your will. Like, I want to come under your authority. You tell me what to do in my relationships, and you maybe in some ways already have, and I'll conform to that and not what I want. And maybe even thinking about what are those things that I'm going to be embattled with today. And then today, God, here's what I really need. If I'm going to do this, please feed me today. Okay? That, that's the point of being present. Give us this day our daily bread. Like, be present now. Like, how am I entering into the world and am I entering in it with humility of I'm not king, you are. And there are things I want today and if you need to take them away, take them away. And there's stuff I want and there's all these different things that are going on and ways I want to be entertained. And help me be honest with myself. That's a scary one. Like that junk that I don't want to come up. God, bring it into the light. I don't care how many people have to know. Bring it into the light. Right? These are ways that we are led by the Spirit. So when we go back to Romans chapter 8 and we're studying this out this week and we're reading through this, we're reading and we're thinking, man, this is really great because this law that we had to keep working to do good things and we kept falling short, that was behind us through Jesus. There's no condemnation, but we get to choose. Will I live by the sinful nature, which is me as king? Or will I decide to humbly live under the authority of Jesus, regardless of what my friends or family or coworkers or whoever says? I'm under his submission. And will I have my mind set on what that spirit desires? And if I'm not sure, asking people, but also praying, what do you want today? How do you want me? And, and almost in every situation, it's going to come down to relationship. How will I need to be relationally today? How will I treat my children, my spouse, people who are my enemies that don't like me, that I don't like them? As your apprentice teach me how to do that, I want to follow your spirit. All right. And, and again, we're starting here in Romans 8 and we're going to get more and more. But I hope we're understanding the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. I hope we're understanding that the, this personal Holy Spirit lives inside of disciples of Jesus and that he wants more than anything to be producing these these this fruit of Jesus inside of us. He wants to guide us. He wants to intercede for us. He wants to do these things. And then there's us. And what we're trying to do is how do we get out of the spirit's way? How do, we get, how do we get out of the Spirit's way and come under the authority of Jesus in every way? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 